RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Friday is our political panel here at Reality Check Radio, RCR. On the panel this morning, Marty Gibson. Morning, Marty. Morning, Paul. How are you doing? Good, Marie Busky. Hi, Marie. Good morning, Paul. Mm. Olivia Pearson. H- hello, Paul. Hello. <laughs> nice to have you guys in. Yeah, hello. <laughs> where? Crikey, where do we start? Indeed. Anyone got an idea? Maybe Miss Susie. Got the ringmaster here, Paul. Susie. Yeah, all right. I reckon Susie. Well, I mean, part of me thinks it's hardly worth mentioning, but for the fact that it's such a big deal to her, but her going through her employment court case, there's lots and lots and lots of articles. I've only read a couple because it's such an unedifying uh, spectacle. But, you know, here she is basically crying bully. So Susie got a bit bullied by people who didn't like lockdowns or didn't like vax coercion. Um, And she was such a huge part of um, that rollout. She was on TV all the time. Loving it. Loving it. And loving every moment of it. So, I mean, you know, through the COVID lockdowns and the vax rollout, Susie helped to make other people's life lives a real misery Hmm. through being locked up. Uh, Think of all the elderly people that had no physical contact with family members whilst they died. Yeah, that's Um, nice. Hmm. Yeah, and they were the elderly, like like my my precious mother in law. They were alone, lonely, and they were propagandized. So even when we we always we broke every rule in the book, good, and went over and saw her anyway. But she kept us out on the back deck. She didn't want us coming into her home, oh, but at least yeah. that way we could talk talk through a ranch slider and a screen. And she had a bit of company, you know. But that's the kind of thing that Susie. Uh, was quite responsible for. Um, And she was saying, you know, we were desperate to get people vaccinated. We were in difficult circumstances. No, we weren't. (laughs) We knew that getting people vaccinated was the way to get us out of this lockdown. No, it wasn't. Oh, what nonsense. So there was no need for a lockdown in the first place. And the only way to get Auckland out of a lockdown was for our Dern and Bloomfield to stop playing fascist, actually, and stop controlling people's movements. But no, they manipulated and coerced with vaccines instead. What they did was evil. And it always will be evil. Totally agree. And Susie Wiles was a big garish pink part of all that, and that's why she's received so much abuse. No other reason. I just can't stand these bullies playing the victim Boo, fecking who? Yeah, mind you, you know, when the, the victim hit parade is is kind of impresses some people, you want to be at the top of it. Well, yeah, but she can't help herself. She's a covert narcissist. And covert narcissists, they they have subtle signs of narcissism. They like they're hypersensitive to criticism. They have chronic envy and jealousy. They love gaslighting. They, they lack empathy. They have feelings of superiority. And when they get backed into a corner, they like to accuse and project. They shift attention from themselves to whoever that they're wanting to blame. Who's they ever blame, paying them? Oh, no, exactly. no, that's they the bl- other, that's exactly. The well, yeah, exactly. They blame you for their toxic behaviour without a- addressing their own toxic behaviour. They gossip, they slander, they yeah. fragile egos, they disagree, and they believe that they've been treated unfairly. I think she ticks pretty much every box. <laughs> every box. I'd say mm, so. A few boxes right there. 
Like um, to call people uh, conspiracy theorists as well, and and she was saying she was uh, suspicious of the timing of uh, the media commentary on her and her um, colleague at the same time, and said she was not aware of anyone else who had fa faced such scrutiny. Oh, that can't Which be true. Almost a almost a conspiracy theory. Every one of them took in Cummings, and now I know from people that I know that um, there's been unprecedented aggro towards politicians now over a long period of time. Some of them are really scared. So, you know, you, you stick your head up with this sort of stuff, someone's going to try to shoot it off, right? Well, she was she was the one who was geeing everyone uh, to persecute Simon Thornley. That, that's the other thing that's lost in all of this. Mm. That's right. Yeah. It, it was her driving that on. Uh, through the university, trying oh, to get not, them to... And, and not only that, prior to Simon Thornley, I mean, look at what her and Paul Hendy did to the Listener 7 when they stood up about the science curriculum in schools and, yeah. and to our Māori. This is where she was a massive bully to others, Susie herself, and and so was Jacinda and, you know, many, many people were. Um, but, but then they cry bully themselves when they get pushback and a bit of abuse. It's just... Not to be born. How and much money do you think she made out of this? Because that's always what I'm thinking. Uh, how would we ever know, Paul? But it's I mean, got to be good dollars, right? It's got to be good dollars. But, I mean, she told the court today, I have very strong values and I didn't want lots of people dying during the pan pandemic. And it's like, well, love, hardly anyone did die from the pandemic, but truckloads of people are dying from the lockdown still because of the medical treatments that they missed. And, and a not certain medication. Yeah, and not yeah to say nothing about the coercion Which you promoted, to get the lady. vaccine. Yeah, yeah, and now we've got excess um, mortality across all sectors and all ages, and um, so you know that kind of thing is partly on her. Um, Gosh, if so you're the university, your head would be spinning right now, hey? Eh? <laughs> yeah. Where did she come from? They'll be th saying to themselves because yeah. even them, the woke, have obviously gone kind of through the mill with her. Yep. The revolution always eats its own. <laughs> that's that's sort of what it looks like. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to avoid a revolution. <laughs> it's good to see. Um, I don't know if it's justice being meted out, but it's good to see them crawling like cockroaches now. Yeah, I mean, well, are they though? Are they really? Well, I think we're just getting started. I, I think um, what we're seeing is a bit of uh, ass covering ahead of the possibility the big, the big, of an yeah, actual inquiry. League. Yeah, because it's not going to look good for a lot of people, and um, and they're trying to st get a narrative going ahead of that. They're trying to stay ahead of the storm. So, are you um, confident, Marty, that we're going to get the inquiry? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm confident, but um, uh, I think. We bloody well better. We didn't. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not going to be very happy. As I've said, it was comforting to me when that was the first thing Shane Jones said when he was asked about whether New Zealand First had any bottom lines on the night of the election. Um, oh, so he said that. I missed yep. that. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think I think they're aware that that they've got a seat at the table now because of that support and because of that commitment they made. So. I hope they do it. And as I've always said, it's it's not like I'm claiming to be a medical expert. I, I just want open discussion and uh, a commitment to the truth. Yeah, commitment to the truth would be a great start, but that's such a big ask now, isn't it? Well, 
you just keep uh, asking for it, I guess. Demanding it. Well, I guess when the COVID money dries up, you just take the university for a few hundred K, do you? <laughs> is, is that the, well, I, I, cause I the money coming the, in. I did ask the other day what happened to her partner in crime in this, where's Sean, Sean Hendy? Because he was up to his eyeballs in all of this along with her. He he sort of, sort of snuck, you know, he was kind of behind her like a little lap dog. And uh, he seemed to have disappeared, but it sounds like he's, he's settled and ran. So... Well, he's got another uh, job. I, yeah. I saw an interview. Oh, it wasn't an interview. It was Damien Dement actually explaining what had happened uh, in the afternoon that was was presented as him being threatened in his office. And he's got a recording of it, apparently, but it sounded quite cordial. And, I mean, Damien Dement, um, you know, barks at some passing cars that I, I don't necessarily subscribe mm. to, but it's always interesting to hear what he's got to say. He's, and and he's, never, he's never threatening or violent. No, one shouldn't be. Well, there's, there's enough of that in the world without anyone else adding to it. It will be interesting to see how the case concludes and whether or not she gets the result that she's after. But ultimately, you know, if I were at Auckland University shoes, you know, that certainly would, from an HR perspective, if she were to win, what a dangerous precedent because it then means that you have these ideo- ideological bullies that, even further control what is going on in academia, and it's already been captured by them. Mm. And this just cements it. It sends a, a message across all tertiary you know, institutions that if you've got somebody within your midst who is a public figure and you're not protecting them to the level to which they are happy, you now have precedent set, and any of them can cry bully and take you. Isn't there an argument, though, though that, that also can say, Someone like that, attracting that sort of atten- attention, actually endangers other people at the university. Well, especially when they're speaking outside their area of expertise, and that was something else that came up. The old Faculty of Medical and Health Sciences, Dean John Fraser, uh, expressed some concern that um, while her work was often praised by university leaders, it later gave rise to questions about whether her commentary and media appearances were all within her remit. Mm. Hmm. Well, that's where she said, that's where she responded that I wanted to see people not die from the pandemic. No. You know. She's all heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, to- I worked with a lot of egos over the years, over 40 years, and I could tell from those appearances that she was loving it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're asking about money. I, I think uh, she just loves the attention. Can you oh, imagine? and the money. And the <laughs> yeah. money. But, yeah, and the attention too. Yeah. Uh. Because that so government was doling people. it out to anyone who was transmitting the message, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Doling it out to people who weren't doing anything at all. Yeah. We, we, we don't – this is where I want an inquiry because we have no idea of the money trail on anything. But I know people who worked in Sheffing and they were getting phone calls from Pfizer representatives asking them if their staff were vaccinated. And, you know, like that, I mean, these are people who own restaurants or cafes or whatever, and Pfizer representatives were calling, pushing the vax. That is very strange. That is weird. Mm. Yeah. And those people would have been getting, what, some reward for the calls, especially if they got people over the line. Well, you see, this is the thing we don't know, but we know that um, GPs were paid, weren't they, per vax? Well, there's something, Robert. 
Robert, if, oh, sorry. I was just going to say that's part of the whole new, this complete push they're doing to up the vaccination rates all the times. The, the GPs are rewarded financially for that. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said that when, when a drug is showing signs that it's going to be dangerous and get pulled, uh, paradoxically, pharmaceutical companies really up the marketing. To, to, to get as much profit as they can before well, before the yeah the gate closes or whatever yeah I'm sure so you know you could put it down to that as well I guess yep okay um that's Susie what about Kirsten would anyone else like to start I mean well <laughs> I, I'm happy to well I, I listened to both interviews and uh yeah I mean you know we don't want to it, it is uh, it is better that we just do our own thing and don't um, get stuck into our uh, faltering opposition um, or, or interrupting interrupt them while they're making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> but, get yeah. in their way. Yeah, they were they were, they were two very different uh, interviews, as you'd uh, said, uh, Olivia. And um, yeah, yeah, and I've I've said before, I I know Kirsten personally, so it's it's a really interesting thing seeing someone you know personally characterized a certain way in the media it just really brings it home to you uh how disingenuous it, it all is how much they lie yeah but i mean there were a lot of really interesting stuff that uh came out of out of the interview you did with her um and and i think yeah again it's just like we're watching an iceberg get closer and closer and everyone's still dancing in the ballroom yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the crux of what she said was this, uh, and we're talking here about the international health regulations that have been tacitly accepted by New Zealand's Parliament on our behalf with no debate. Um, she said uh, it should go back to Parliament. It's their responsibility to tell us where it's coming from. And yeah, it is. It they is. Mm, mm. And it's the same with the Therapeutic Goods Act. Who's asking for that? Yeah. Let's have some transparency about. Who's in such a big hurry to control vitamin C? And yeah, I, I know, and also digital identities. That that the high the, the whole uh, digital identity framework bill. I mean, nobody opposed it. It's like yeah, every it's, politician it's, thinks it's a great idea. Yeah, it might be a great idea. It might be really good. Make the argument for it. Let, let's hear. Have it. the discussion. Yeah, still don't quite understand why there is. I call it a blind spot, why these blind spots exist, why people tasked with knowing about things because they're making decisions that affect so many people kind of don't know anything. It's either grotesque laziness or just that ridiculous trust that uh, New Zealanders are known for now to have in their governments as if they're never going to act against us when they clearly have. Um, I, I just don't understand it myself, but... Um, I don't need to. We just need to pressure, pressure, pressure. And, I mean, I just want to say on the Kirsten Murphitt interview, uh, Paul, your interview with her was outstanding, but we expect this from well, you that's now. Just a, I would call that a normal chat yeah. with someone when that's you're how you curious and want to know what someone has to say, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, she was supposed to go on the, the, the platform to be interviewed over her, you know, the, the, the opting out of the proposed amendments. No, to the she, that, that's, no it, that wasn't in his mind. No, that wasn't in his mind. But that was that was how Kirsten walked into it. Yeah, well, that's like what I've was, got this information, way, and this yeah. person will be interested in asking me about it. Well, <laughs> but um, you, you know, I mean, 
I can't wait for Sean to have his next sycophantic interview with Winston Peters. That'll be fun after he treated Kirsten that way. Well, it, well, it must be difficult when you think you're a politically um, sort of uh, insightful genius when you realise that you had no effect on anything this election, and you look over the road and you see that we had an effect on everything. Mm. That's, a, that's it's hard hurt. to take. It's butt hurt material. It really that's is. the market. Right, just, good, good, and yeah. you know he's done some good interviews, but you know often there's that uh, element of bloviating, windbaggery, uh, and bombast and uh, obtuseness. But you know, well, what but, but, it, but it's kind of it's worse than that because I mean, a hard interview with somebody where you're debating the material and the ideas or the wording of something. I mean, you know, I don't. Kirsten's not a little weak wallflower where she can't be challenged and have a robust debate. You know, that that's all we're asking for. But there's something in Sean that just can't do that once once somebody's on the other side of Depends something. Depends on what it is. Or he doesn't understand the issue at stake. He um he gets really all I can say is it's very, very weird and he gets browbeating. He he browbeats people instead. Um, and it's aggressive and it's dominant and it shuts down discussion. And I don't understand why he's paid to do interviews when all he does is actually shut down discussions. But that's that's what he does. He reminds me that interview reminded me and Kirsten fired off some beauties. I have to say, you know, one of them being don't worry about it, Sean. I'm doing this for you, your children and your grandchildren. Just just leave it to me. You know, she volleyed in some good ones, I thought. But it reminds me of um the great one of my favorite writers is C.S. Lewis, especially for his uh what surprises. Yeah, his his essays and stuff. But he he did a magnificent lecture called Men Without Chests, which is contained in his book called The Abolition of Man, which I found I only read it two years ago, and I found it to be so frightfully insightful that it almost felt prophetic. Um since in his abolition of man, he's describing what happens in the course of human events with the merger of science and industrial corporates through the practice of medicine. And he wrote, we can make men without chests and expect from them virtue and enterprise. You, you know, this is what we do. We make them men without chests and then expect virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. Mm. Um he went on to say, for every one pupil who needs to be guarded against a weak excess of sensibility, there are three who need to be awakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. Mm. And this is, you know, we're starving the sensibility of people um, to make them easier prey to the propagandist. Um, and for famished nature will be avenged and a hard heart is no infallible protection against a soft head. Hmm. And Sean, Sean is a man without a chest. He's got, got a head and he's got a root chakra and everything, but there's not a lot going on in between in it. And this is what you see. Um, this is what this is kind of the scum and media that's risen to the top. We're not dealing with whole people doing whole interviews, like facing one person to another with all your faculties in play, including your heart and your soul. It's all just head um, argument, uh, beat down, browbeat. It's really, really ugly. Well, and I want no I want no part of people when they don't have a chest. Well, no, I think you're onto something there, Olivia, in the sense that I've come across a lot of them in medicine. And and I think that this is why there's such a visceral pushback 
around all of these elements, whether it be uh, the what's happening post-vaccination, pre-vaccination, any of these sort of COVID measures. And you see it a lot with those, uh, the, the Susie Wiles and the Rod Jacksons and the um, Ashley Bloomfields of this world, where they will push back, they'll be so strong, they'll be so bombastic about very, very forceful about that position because woe betide, they actually let even a little bit of that data seep, seep in and even have a modicum of the thought that they could be wrong and the devastating effect on their heart and their soul of what it is that they have done mm. if they were to realise that they have done something so unbelievably monstrous to the people that they love. And I think they just have to double down because I don't think mm. that emotionally... I think I don't I, th- I think it would rip the soul of a lot of people apart and I know people particularly in the field of medicine and I think that you see this a little bit with Asim Mahotra you know he's he's a, I see atonement with him mm. a lot of atonement mm. and, and 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 yeah and those mm. who are able to take that with grace and get out there and go Phew, you Dr. know they're John doing Campbell yes it? exactly that's a really good point I've never thought about it in those terms before but but you're absolutely right. When they when they get the big picture, and they flip, and then they act um, for um, against the previous stance they took. I mean, that is actually a developed soul that can do that, right? But that's very well, few. That's the minority. Yeah, it's fewer right? than you think. And I mean, you said before, Olivia. You know, I don't know why people aren't getting it. And maybe it doesn't matter. It really does matter. And we were talking before about um, Matthias uh, Desmond, Desmond, is it? Desmet, yeah. yeah. Desmet, sorry. Yeah. Um, and that that's a really important part of the puzzle. You know, what what's making people just sleepwalk like this? And I, I, I've got, you know, it's difficult sometimes to call people friends when you, their, their, your assessment of them has changed so much. But mm. uh, <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day um, and I showed him a graph of um, – of the sudden decline in life expectancy. And he grumbled about the graph and he said, oh, it's one of those candle graphs. It's just showing you the rate of change. And I said, well, forget about that. What do you think about the fact that it's just pointing downwards in a way that even wasn't there in the Second World War and the First World War? Oh, well, it's probably long COVID. And I said, have you have oh, you right. ever listened to um, any of the shows I've done on uh, Reality Check Radio? And he said, oh, no, no. He was trying to call me a conspiracy theorist. And I said, oh, well, you know, it's it's um, here. And I, I went to tell him what it was. And he said, oh, I don't want to mess up my algorithm. Ah, uh, interesting comment. You know, there so, it is. So there's that mm. total willful blindness that for people who don't have it, it, it seems absurd, but it's a real thing. And that's what's driving so much of this. And we've got to understand it. We've got to be compassionate to it on, on some level. Yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, it's very hard to um, have your conscience pricked and change your mind and then bear the weight of that conscience that still is within you and, and do right by it. It's a very difficult ask for, especially when you're dealing with people that have been injured and maimed um, or killed. Yeah, that's post-traumatic stress. It's people yeah. think it's things that think people do to you. Some post-traumatic stress is from things that you realise you were capable of doing. Yeah. Well, in this case, you have done. Mm. Yeah, especially, I mean, you know the thing that really I find creepy is imagine people getting those exemptions and then going away and jabbing kids. 
I, I thought about that. It, it yeah. tears me up. Who decided not to get his kids jabbed, but all his friends were getting his getting jabbed because he'd said it was uh, perfectly safe. He never stopped them. Yeah. So in a way, with with the whole fallout from this, even even say if our side was proved right in an inquiry or something, just say hypothetically, um, we would still be dealing with um, a huge degree of dishonesty because of the factor of people that couldn't take that information or truth on board. And they do. There, there is only one re- response they have to that, and that's double down, double down again, and double down some more. It's very frightening. Yeah, I don't know how far tolerance goes in that situation. Well, no. generally it goes with civil unrest. That's well, usually and- the once once you get to a point where uh, this, the population feels that they need to to speak, that's when you get to a place of civil unrest with with any sort of ideological situation. And gosh, the last thing you want to do is get to that place. Who yeah. gets blamed though? Because I've wondered while we're talking about this, in a perverse way. Um, it could end up those who kind of were sensible end up getting blamed somehow. You know, Escape, I mean, I had the someone scapegoating factor. Yeah, yeah, I had someone you... tell me once that um, we shielded you. Yeah, really. Anytime the government gives you a name that starts with the, you, you better look out <laughs> if the lessons of the Jews and the Gypsies or anything go by. It's the like we took side. one, and it's okay for you, but we took one, and yeah. You Even know, if you it's can proven see how be... that could be focused in a particular way. Yeah. Yeah, we're the alarm going off when they keep hitting the snooze button. <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah, but Paul, did that person say that to you? We shielded you over the fact that they were all vaccinated yep. and you weren't. Wow. But I can see how you could think that. I understand how you could build a picture of that. But they all got COVID. Every vaccinated person I know got COVID. Or just let that one slip. Multiple times. You know. Mm. Um, it's more like saying, we had to do it and you didn't. Yeah, well, see, that's... It's, it's that, actually quite juvenile. It's, well, that's transference. That's transference well, okay, well, because that's they are like jealous. Kid, you know, yeah, like a yeah. kid, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the Susie Wiles approach, isn't it? You know, yeah. We, angry we obeyed that, and you didn't. Yeah. yeah. So it's all right for you, you know. Oh, wow. Yep. I could be wrong with that, but I have a suspicion that, that you know, if, if you're going to have unrest, who, who's who's it towards? Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean, that's why we need an inquiry where people are actually held accountable. I mean, who do the zombies attack? <laughs> the zombies. The hoople heads. When does the zombie apocalypse <laughs> start? I want to know. <laughs> I see them coming up the street. Okay, well, there we go. Um, Maybe we can jump to this too, speaking of civil unrest, because he said it, Willie Jackson, there'll be trouble. And it looks like New Zealand First has ruled out any sort of referendum. Okay, but even threatening that, um, RNZ carried the story the last few days. All the comments, virtually all of them, were supporting his, well, was it a call to violence. It was a call to violence. Okay, so exactly got, what it is. You've got RNZ who normally don't let people comment about anything controversial, letting hundreds of comments in support of violence go on their Facebook thread for that story. What does that tell us? Mm, good God. Go, Marie. Uh, 
Oh, it's a classic case of, um, you know, the the flow, the throwing the toys out of the cot. And it's not just Willie Jackson. I mean, it's Debbie Nawariwa Packer. It's it's the Māori, Te Pāti Māori. The, um, they're tossing their toys around any sort of changes because they have worked really hard, particularly that Māori caucus. They've worked really, 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 really hard to take this quirk of law that was tossed in by you know, Sir Geoffrey Palmer all way back when, a couple of activist judges created a bit of precedent, they could actually see the advantages that they've took. And they have they have nurtured that baby, they have nourished it, nourished it, they have fed it, they've been fed well off it. They have finally now got this thing to a place where they're fully benefiting from it. They're making great money from it. We're not seeing the trickle down to the rest of the Māori people at all, I don't believe. But heaven forbid you take that whopping great big thing away from them now that they've created. They don't want that. That's why he's digging his toes in so much. They mm. have. This has been the long game on this with these principles. They have been working on this for the thick end of two plus decades. Mm. Mm. And they, you know, all of a sudden they can actually see people have now finally woken up to this and it could come away. You know, could be taken away from them. I mean, the they've now earthed back up again. Um, the modern, uh, the foreshore and seabed legislation. Yeah, yeah. you know that that's been dug up again. Yeah, not just that. I don't know if you caught the um, story that one court uh, ruled out customary rights <clears throat> over the river mouths if the water waterways were navigable, but a higher court has reversed that for up to one kilometre up rivers from the coast. So oh, no, um, Maori bids for customary titles over parts of big rivers entering coastlines where they have legal rights have been strongly boosted by a new court of appeal decision. So, you know, that that's um, that's another bit of power. And, you know, we, we're talking about this on media matters. Mm. And, you know, sometimes someone will burn a Koran in Finland or something and you'll get these massive protests that burn down whole suburbs around the world. That's, um, that's called sacred anger. And it's a lesson <laughs> Māori have learned well. You know, so a lot of this stuff is sacred anger and it's a way of intimidating your opposition uh, where you just throw a huge tantrum and people think, oh, well, that person wants this far more than me and it it, it discourages any opposition. And, and, you've, um, and you've already yeah. got to party Māori drawing that um, comparison between the Middle Eastern conflict and what is happening to Māori there. Yeah, that's as why. It, yeah, and they're doing that as if to say, no, 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 no. Yeah, as you said, this is a sacred anger. You can't yeah. touch this. We're being really good not doing that stuff. It's just because oh, we're God. patient for now. There's another word for sacred anger, Marty, and I would call it zealotry. Yeah. Yep, that's... Uh, but, the, yeah. but, you know, Julian And Bachelor's, always beware of zealots. Julian Bachelor has mm. been heavily criticised, whether you like him or not, for, you know, stirring things up. And I had uh, an interview with uh, someone who, you know, was kind of accusing him of calling for arm, you know, arms to be taken up. I've never heard him say that. But here you have on the other side, someone who's actually saying this will happen. And, well, who's saying anything about that? This will happen that's justified on some level. So old Julian's not so sacred, right, in his anger. You know, with that river decision, for example, um, it's it's evidence the High Court from claimants focused on the importance of, uh, sorry, on the importance to Iwi of river mouths spiritually and historically as a place of tanifa and for fishing, white baiting and traditional activities such as gathering honey stones and driftwood. So sort of stuff that all New Zealanders do, but 
uh, again, it's 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 more important to them. Um, and it's that whole thing of making out like they're a whole different species. It's terribly divisive. Oh, and, and also, yeah. too, there has been this whole um, expansion and reverence around Te Ao Māori and Te Mataranga Māori, which brings us back to the listener seven again. You know, there has been this massive elevation with this Māori spirituality. Now, I'm not discounting the Māori spirituality. There are some things that go on in my family which you know, hark back from that, you know, a, a traditions from that. But it has been elevated to a level where it is not actually used because there is a general, genuine, authentic belief in it. It has been elevated in order to manipulate a position of power over those that you want something from. Magical yeah. thinking or magical sort of... Well, a lot of c- cursing and spell casting. I mean, you might call it black magic, some of it. But um, no, but it's but what Marie's talking about in practical reality is when you know they assert that there's mana on some body of water, and so anybody that touches that body of water, it may be a swamp full of junky cars and dead animals that they turn into a beautiful pond with a little riverboat and trees, and you know they they consider that that's been desecrated somehow because of the mana on the water, and that is just. That's just silly superstition that doesn't allow people to actually use their well, own land. Do they even believe it? This is, I think, what you're saying, Marie, right? It's Well, like, Marie's saying it's manipulative. Yeah, they, they, it's they're just being used. It. Yeah. They, they are totally using it. So, I mean, I, I'm not talking about if there's the Rahui that's instituted. So we had a situation, there's a Rahui on the beach here because someone lost their lives at a sporting event um, yeah. the, the weekend past. That was Tragic. sad. Very sad. And, you know, people. most people, the only people we actually saw down there breaking the rahu, and it's because they wouldn't have known it was on, were um, um, Asian fishermen fishing <laughs> off the rocks. <laughs> To be fair, they were the not, only ones. Why am I not surprised? Eh? Yeah, um, there was no one else down there, you know. The, and, and so there is actually a level. Most most people have a genuine level of respect, but it's when you actually take that and you elevate it even further to manipulate manipulate your position politically for your own gain. Because and aren't you saying to to other people that your um, understanding or, or any um, sense of, of of anything spiritual is inferior to ours? Yeah, well, that's that, what some that of them you are saying, don't yes. know, you actually don't know because you're not capable of knowing it because you're not as magical as us. Yeah. Oh, and those who are great proponents of the art, yeah, of course they are. And I mean, it's look, it's just it's woo woo mysticism, and it's and it's used, I think, there to bamboozle and boggle a lot of people to create certain positions uh, for those within a hierarchy. If you actually talk to every single a lot of everyday Māori, at the end of the day, what's really worrying them? They're worrying about putting food on the table. They're worrying about being yeah. able to pay the rent. Yeah, They're like worrying every, about keeping the lights on. Yeah. They're worrying about, you know, whether or not their kid is going to be able to stay in school and get a job and have a qualification and not drop out and join a gang because that's your next best Is option. there a risk, though, of of um, bad things happening here? Because we you just mentioned gangs. They're armed. There's no question about it. They don't like everyday people. We know that. They're quite happy to completely take over a small town. We've seen them do that. Okay, you've got Willie and the boys saying, you know, ginning it up. You know, that could produce bad results. 
Yeah, it already, it already has. It already has. Well, particularly Maori gangs is that yeah. the people they're angriest and most violent towards are other Maori. You know, it's sort of if, if you're not doing anything directly to piss them off, unless you live around them and you're getting burgled or whatever, <clears throat> um, their, their primary rage seems to be taken out on their own people. And that's but the there dis- is that hope of leaders, you know, now. Soft, skinny little flabby arms and little soft hands that somehow these are just warriors and waiting for when the revolution comes. Well, and that's, that's, and that's know, the statistic that they don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk. They will talk about how um, with equity that we need to uh, fix high Māori crime rates or uh, lack of Māori education or whatever it is. But particularly with violent crime, you know, most violent crime is Māori on Māori. Mm. That never gets brought up, you know. No, so you, and 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 it's those yeah, and it's the nannies, as as Marty said. You know, it's the most the vast majority are pretty good people. You know, they're awesome, and they they want everything like every or the rest of us all want. Well, yeah, that of probably they will do. be what saves saves the situation. But that's where we need to see, though. I mean, if Willie Jackson and Naru Packer and all the rest of it get, you know, uppity about, um, you know, just discussions being had, you know, just the debate makes them uppity. I think, I think um, you, we no. need those, those, good, those good folks to stand up on our side and say, no, this is not New Zealand. This is not the future we want for our children because they are worried about just putting food on the table like we are, you know. Well, if you read through those comments, a lot of Māori commenting on it really believe what these guys are allowing them to believe, which is these guys want to take away the treaty. That, that's mm. how a lot of people are hearing it. It's not they want to discuss these vague principles of the treaty in, introduced by um, Jeffrey Palmer, you know, which he knew were bullshit. Um, they think that it's people coming in wanting to take away the treaty. And so that's the first step. You've got to, you know, and I'm surprised Seymour hasn't been more vocal about talking about what it is he wants to discuss. because yeah, he's, he's a bit a distracted, problem. Marty. <laughs> well, yeah. well, that's why I did just see that um, Winston has sort of said no to he's the referendum as, as well. Yeah, but he, but as he said, I loved his point was, uh, actually, we've got all the apparatus there. What we need is a Waitangi tribunal, which is supposed to do what it, it's made it in, rain and it rain in, it in. And yeah. at the moment they haven't. So he said, everything is there. They just have to do their jobs. And that goes for so much stuff, Marie. It's like we we have really good institutions. They've become super infected over the last 50 years with all sorts of hideous ideas, mostly Marxism um, and um, wokeism and all the rest of it. But And so people now hate those institutions, but it's the wrong thing to hate. The institutions were good and they served us. We need to reclaim them. This is what I mean by I'm trying to stop a revolution. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like revolutionary talk. It'll, it'll bear down on us if it comes, regardless of whether we want it or not. I don't want that. I want our institutions reclaimed and cleaned out and made rational and truthful again because they served us for a good 200 years before this infection happened, and that's the problem. Yeah. Woke infection. Um, Where do you think co-governance is? Because I heard yesterday that there is now a co-CEO, Maori co-CEO of ACC. Oh, Oh, really? 
What does that mean, though? Where does the buck stop? Oh, There's a lot to unpick from this last government, and yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see how much um, steel uh, both Winston Peters and David Seymour managed to put in David Brent's back um, and and how much resolve they can force him to have about addressing some of the stuff because David. the usual national system of just doing what Labour did more efficiently is not going to work because we're, we're pointing at the ground and we really need to pull up because we're going to hit it. And uh, Ginny Anderson up for bullying, I see, yesterday afternoon in the news. Um, boy, it sounds like a toxic environment to work in, especially with these MPs. That was on election night. I suppose she was losing her head because... Yeah, and I see these more incidences as well. I mean, there's so oh. many of them. I mean, she's she's been done. I mean, Gurev Sharma with um, what was uh, the whip, whose name wasn't McNulty. It was uh, uh, he, he. There was that big thing. You had uh, Anna Lork. She yep. had issues with bullying. It's it's obviously something quite systemic within. They the really know how to pick him, don't they? Mm-hmm. The, the Labor Party have, I think, ha- actually have this massive identity crisis at the moment. They have yeah. a huge identity. Yeah, crisis. they chose Chrissy Hipkiss. Well, I think that they've done that. They've done that because they have suddenly realised that they have drifted too far out without mm-hmm. on that anchor chain and they need to pull it back in. And I'm wondering whether they're trying to reclaim their centre-left working-class union base. Why would groups. you stick with a loser like him? Well, because he's like James Shaw. You know, he's a shield that you can hide all your radical, horrible things that no one would vote for behind because people just look at him and think, well, what harm's oh. that strange little man going to do? He denied a lot of exemptions. People ended up dying. Well, where did they yeah. read about that? It's a, it's astonishing how, how little people know beyond what was in the papers, which mm. he was controlling. Should we get on to the Greens quickly? We've got about another 15 minutes. Well, what about yet. Rashida Tlaib of Michigan? Well, I thought that might uh, be a uh, on-ramp to that, but if you want to go direct, sure. Oh, I so do. Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, who's uh, the congresswoman, one of the squad, and um, what squad? The squad of bunny boilers, that is, um, complete nutters, um, has now been censored by the Congress. Um, Rashida uh, Tlaib, within 24 hours of the October 7th barbaric attack on Jewish citizens of the State of Israel, representing the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. I mean, this is not a small thing. Defended the brutal rapes, murders, beheadings and kidnappings, including of Americans held hostages by Hamas as justified resistance to the apartheid state of Israel. I mean, this is how stupid the woman is. So um, she pushed back and was doing the river to the sea, the same thing that, you know, the chant that Chloe Schraubrick is um, being raked over the coals for and deserves to be, which is right, widely recognized as a genocidal call to violence to destroy the state of Israel and its people to replace it with a Palestinian state extending from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean. Um, Rashida doubled down and um, falsely uh, described the chant of the river to the sea as an aspirational call for freedom and human rights and peaceful coexistence, Um, despite it clearly entailing Israel's destruction and denial of its fundamental right to exist. So we've pointed this out before, I know, Cam, and I have that 
that call is part of the Hamas charter. Um, so good job censoring Talib. She's a crazed-eyed, terrorist-hugging nutcase, and so is Chloe Schwarbrick. These people are unworthy to be in politics. Um, they cannot think ethically or morally, um, and they shriek and emote. It's just all Marxist oppressor versus oppressed, ugly, divisive claptrap. Um, the current protesters are nothing but Israel haters, true blue anti-Semites who have aligned themselves with Muslim extremists and terrorists. By chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free on a university campus in the West or anywhere else. These activists are, and politicians are serving as mouthpieces for Muslim terrorists who daily murder and rape and kill people in cold blood. Um, I know that Within the freedom community, we get a fair bit of pushback. Um, but please don't bother writing into me and talking about the apartheid state of Israel. That's just bullshit. And I reject it utterly, and I don't want to hear that from anyone. Um, I can argue my case really well as to why that's wrong, and I'm happy to do that on any day of the week. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to sanction the ignorance that I'm seeing when they first refuse to acknowledge what Hamas has done to its own people in Gaza. It's no use blaming Israel for what Hamas have done, or the PLA for that matter, or Fatah, or Hezbollah. They're all the same entity. They're no different than the Islamic State. They want an Islamic State, and they want that there instead of the Israeli State. Do you feel well, better now? <laughs> I, not I really because i know the from. issue's not you know the funny thing about anywhere. the squad though is um if you read what they said it, it was actually compared to what chloe swarbrick said quite a lot more conciliatory so as yeah. mad and marxist and uh islamist as they are they weren't as mad and marxist and islamist as chloe swarbrick and you know i think she's taken a turn poor girl I think it started election night. I was watching the swivel-eyed speech she gave, and I was just thinking, man, you, you, uh, the people I've seen like that are either having a manic episode or something else. Well, again, it's zealotry. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And, and and what about, I mean, she's a big proud queer. Hey, I'm a lesbian. She likes to say it on any occasion. And, I mean, if she went and hung out with any of the Palestinians who are in control of Gaza, she'd be flung off the nearest building. Well, yeah, the That's how they treat that, homos. Though, is there isn't a building big enough to throw her off these days. But she's, I mean, she is just at a point now. She is at a point now that she is so manic. And I'm really, I, I'm just was so angry with her marama and silly little simpering Ricardo sitting, standing there. They're politicking, they're, they're politicking for their own gains, their own personal narcissistic gains off the back of this conflict and at that event. And I'm I'm sorry, A, I don't believe you should have been doing it, and B, you've got plenty of other things to be worrying about. You know what, you green MPs, why don't Chloe, Chloe and your little buddies, why don't you worry about actually organising the shit shows that are going on in central Auckland and central Wellington right now? Yeah. Oh, aren't those your electorates? Yes, they are. Well, maybe you should put your energies there. Maybe you should put your energies in making sure that prison rehab programmes, which have been slashed fourfold, actually are helping our prisoners and rehabilitating them before they get out. Oh, 
maybe, maybe you should be looking at um, improving job numbers because, you know, that those are going up, especially in our young people. What are you doing to help them? There's a million and one things that you can be putting that energy into, Chloe. It is not a, a, a conflict that is halfway around the world, and all you're doing is upsetting and inciting rage here in New Zealand. No, wrong, stop it, grow up. Grow so, up. Yep. I mean, more care. worrying about it is is that there, is that uh, parallel that we discussed earlier that's being drawn between Maori and uh, the Palestinians, and you know that's the dog whistle that's happening here as well, and um, it thrives in communities that don't know where to point to Israel on a map, don't know anything about the history. Um, and we'll just, you know, that's the cynicism of of this leadership. They just want to herd these people and um, into groups, mm. into yeah. zealot zealot groups. Well, it's all identity, yeah. isn't it? I but mean, that's sacred rage is different from zealotry. Zealotry is what you feel inside. Sacred rage is an external instrument. It, it's a tool that you use to to stop opposition. So you know, if someone points out that what you're saying is bullshit, and you go, ah. Right. Eventually, the 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 response. What you're saying is is crap. Um, It seems. It seems like a lot of sort of younger women. You know, I can say this now. I'm 60. I've gone a bit nutty. You know, it it, it, because I thought it was supposed to make the world a better place, but seems to have made it more crazy and nutty. Women in politics. Oh God. All right. That's our political panel for Friday. I want to thank Marty Gibson. Thank you, Marty. Oh, thank you, Marie Buskey. Thank you, Paul. And Olivia Pearson. Thank you, Paul. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll do it all again this time next week. Indeed. All right. Have a great week. See ya. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.